Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Deep Dish, a space where voices will be amplified, respected, listened to, and where the only requirement is that your belief and actions do not hinder the progression of the disenfranchised. It is my hope that my conversations with these incredible guests will be the sweetest treat in your day. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to The Deep Dish. It has been a Long time, y'all. A long time. First and foremost, I want to thank everybody for their patience because life has been lifing, okay? I have just not <laughs> been wanting to be here. I've wanted to be here, but I have not wanted to be here. You know what I'm saying? This takes work. But anyway, um, all that matters is that I'm back. We're back. And I'm super excited for our next guest. She is an author. She's a minister, an empower her mint. Let me tell you how many times I practice that. Okay. Coach. (laughs) She teaches women to embrace faith, femininity, fierceness, so that they can fashion a life they love and live their dreams. In her first book, Love Like I've Never Been Hurt, How to Heal from Heartbreak, she shares her journey to and through heartbreak and how to put it back together again. Now she's on a quest to help other women heal and find healthy love. I also would like to mention that she ain't right that, okay? Now, every guest on, on, on this podcast has to write their own welcome, okay? And she wrote in the questionnaire, at, at, okay? She said, I'm not doing it. You're not getting me to do it. And she did it. She didn't write it. She left it to me to write. And I don't know how I feel about it. But I think I did a really good job. Her name is Ariane Yvette Lynch, y'all. Welcome her to the stage. Hey, girl. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did you enjoy your intro? I did. It was good. (laughs) You did that. I'm going to go back and listen to it instantly. I think I did a really good job, too. You didn't need um, credit for that. You may just put Alyssa Lewis. Well, actually, no, I want to tell you, I went on your website. I said, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. Use the word she already used about herself. (laughs) Yeah, I did it. Like, what do you mean? Exactly. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God. Um, I was trying to think of when I met you. I know how I met you. Um, It was through a mutual friend of ours, Dominique Robinson, who's also been on my podcast. And um, because we had start and I think it was in 2015 that, that is the, the year, year. okay and so all I know is that you came up to Maine and we were doing our young adult retreat and your book was just so relevant to a lot of our young adults and we had a lot of women um young adults too and so they were like heartbreak oh my gosh you know they're like, like a lot of healing Definitely. and so Right. <laughs> and so that's what I remember. And I think that's, that was the first time we met. For sure. For sure was the first time we met. Um, and it was crazy. It's funny how God works because I re- remember when like, I got the email or your dad may have actually messaged me on Facebook. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly, but it was crazy because like, I f- it was either earlier that day or like a few days before he reached out. I was at work. The time I worked at the federal government, had my good government job <laughs> and I was at work. And I remember thinking, I'm going to go to Maine. And I have no idea where they came from. I've wow. never had like any thoughts of going to Maine. Like I'd never, you know, of course, I mean, I went to school on the East Coast. I went to Howard. H-U, mm-hmm. one time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I never, um, I just, I don't know. It was just like, it was a God thing. And then mm-hmm. like right after that, he reached out. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. And then, yeah. yeah. And then I just feel like it, I just feel like you stuck. And then it's almost like it was just, it was a lot of just Dominique. And then, you, and then it just became this awesome, really great little group. <laughs> and we ate a lot. We ate a lot. We ate so good. First of all, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to diss anybody else that has hosted me to speak, preach, teach, or whatever. But I will say, okay, that Lewis family hospitality, that (laughs) memorial hospitality was highly memorable. I will. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you topped all that good food we ate and the massage situation. I know. Well, because like for me, you know, self-care, even back then, that's all I kept thinking about. Because for me, I think about how my dad being in ministry for so long and how many people actually think of not just the financial part of like blessing people, but this is a wear and tear in your body. But we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah. Um. So the way that I like to start this off is asking people, what was your favorite childhood dessert? Probably any form of ice cream. Mm. If it's like, you know, so one special memory, um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she loves, to this day, still love French vanilla ice cream. Mm. And so there was always French vanilla ice cream at her house. So I was at her house a lot. And that was kind of our thing. Like we would eat French vanilla ice cream and watch Wheel of Fortune and the Golden Girls. Um, but I also liked I re- another good memory with ice cream as well. It's just the ice cream truck being in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. my, house, my dad's house, like wherever I was, that was a big thing. And I would get the orange push-ups. What's your first memory of ice cream? <laughs> I don't know if I have a first one. Whoa, that's probably hard to imagine. I mean, I just remember probably the earliest though probably is getting them with my dad. Like, cause that was a big thing. He always would get, cause he, he to this day still likes anything like kind of orange dream flavor that's kind of his thing mm-hmm. so he would get those and um you know i'd have it like after school or whatever you know mm-hmm. you know you run out whole you know that's how we can't see <laughs> ice cream man oh so i i i list i listed off all of the things that you currently do but you even talked about how when i met you you had your good government job did. right so you went from having that good government job to now being in full-time ministry now on a campus. Yep. Let's talk about that journey a little bit. When, how, how did you get there? You know, what's crazy is, so I was, um, so when I worked my good government job, like I came back to Kansas city after seminary and I got hired on with the federal government and I was doing ministry, like youth ministry, like part-time in my local church, my home church. And, but eventually I was just like, I really, it seemed like I was supposed to be doing something else. So even though we had several years doing good ministry and having a good time there, I just like randomly told my pastor one day, okay, so at the end of this conference year, I'm going to transition. And I didn't even know what was next. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Like I just had this sense that there was something else. And during that season is when I really stepped into, started to explore what it means to do women's ministry. And that's where the book, so somewhere in the book, I can't get the timeline exactly right. I started working on that. There's some overlap and how that played out. But I was ready to kind of step back from youth ministry. I want to say that was like 20. 
14-ish, and I really wanted to focus on finishing my book. So for like a year, I worked really, really hard at that. And then the book came out January uh, 15th, which I mean, not January 15th, January 2015, I'm trying to say, or February, I'll tell you back. It was actually February 7th, so it's about to have a birthday um, in a few days. But anyway, so um, the book came out, and then it was just like, go hard, push the book. It was published on January 2nd, 2015. Okay, come on in, have it. Together. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we, um, I just kind of ran with that. And then doing the, uh, the, the sort of marketing and publishing, not the publishing, but marketing and pushing the book all of 2015, different opportunities started to open up. And one of them um, alongside coming to Maine to hang out with Green Memorial for Yes Weekend that year. Another mm-hmm. one I'd had actually right before that was to um, come to serve as, this was so cool, I thought I was so cute, author in residence at Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, right? Mm. And which was super special, you know, being a hardcore lover of HBCUs, like to be at the oldest HBCU, like, major um mm-hmm. and so their dean of the chapel invited me he had and i had to give her credit um um uh dr susan and i i gotta we don't have to look her name up because she got married recently so i want to get her last name correct because that's a thing okay mm-hmm. <laughs> right 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 um but anyway she um she knew about my book she's known me since i was a kid she she was working there at the time and passed it along to the dean of the chapel um so one time for sisterhood um and he was like oh we gotta have her here so he created this whole conference built around my book called the something like something about love and healing conference. I mean, like literally named their women's conference after my book brought me in. I spoke at the campus's convocation. I did like several events with different groups of students. I mean, it was just like amazing. And I lived in the alumni house, which was beautiful, by the way. It was like incredible. And I just had this special time of just being with students on their campus. And Mm -hmm. while I was there, I was walking around with the, with the dean, and his name is um, Dean Faison, and he was awesome, super supportive brother, big brother of mine. He's walking around, and I'm watching how he's interacting with these students, and he can't, we can't go anywhere with students not stopping him and need to talk and check in. And I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, I can do that. Like, it was mm-hmm. the first time I saw something that I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the thing. But then, like, God wouldn't, like, shut up about it the whole weekend. Like, you know, it was just like God kept saying, hey, 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 this is you. This is you. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So, actually, by the time I saw y'all, yes, weekend, I want to say, I already knew. Like, I had just newly discerned this call to college chaplaincy. But I just didn't know how that was going to work out. I was still in Kansas City or whatever. And then, um, so I just kept praying. And how it would work out. So, you know, my godfather is um, Bishop Kenneth Monroe. And he called me, um, like, so this, I was in Lincoln in, like, October. And he calls me in, like, uh, I want to say March, early March the next year. So now it's 2016. And he's like, what's going on with you in ministry? What you doing? What's next for you? Like, what do you find? I said, well, honestly, I've been, you know, called to college chaplaincy. I just don't know how it's going to work out and when it's going to open up or, but I, cause there's nothing here in Kansas city. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. He was like, well, keep praying. God going to show you just keep praying next day. Um, my previous supervisor called me and said, cause we had gone to seminary together. He called me and said, Hey, there's a role that's opening up here in my department. And I really think you should apply. And I'm like, for what? He was like, oh, it's for associate chaplain. I was like, oh, that's how we doing this guy. Okay. 
So, I mean, the race is really history. I mean, I applied, went through the process. It was a truly competitive process or whatever it was like. I was just like, I just got it, you know, did put forth the effort. I have to say Bishop Starnes was my bishop at the time. He was, I wasn't even ordained yet. Let's talk about that. I was in the ordination process, not scheduled to be ordained until the following year. I called my bishop. I was like, hey, this is a situation. I'm applying for this job. He was like, he just was so happy to be having check a meeting in town that weekend. He was like, oh, no, no, we're going to bring you in the conference this week. Because I had finished seminary. All mm-hmm. that was done. Because I did things very backwards. <laughs> I, got, I listened to my, or discerned my call to ministry. Right. Let, let, I was about to say. Years after seminary. So there's that. So wait, 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 wait. When you went to Howard, yep. what was your degree? It was a BS in human development, um, emphasis in child and adolescent development, and then I did music as a minor. So you were going to be a teacher? I didn't know I was going to be. I was going to be a person with a degree. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Let's keep it real. When people ask me, what, what are you going to do with your degree? I'm like, mm. I, I mean, <laughs> and I love my degree because... It's a great setup for doing this kind of work. You can go so many different directions. People go into clinical sites, people do social work, people, some go into law, some, you know, go so many different ways. But um, I, and some go into teaching and early childhood education. I never want to do early so, childhood. So, why'd you go to seminary? That whole part. So, what had happened? <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to. <laughs> You over here, you over here, you over here, girl. Listen, I lived it, okay? (laughs) Facts. So, so, um, how did that happen? Okay, so there was, so I, so right before my senior year at Howard, I did start to get that pressure, like, for real, what we about to do. Because, like, in a year, we about to graduate and we have zero job prospects. You know, I was just kind of out there doing my degree, it, I literally picked my degree by like looking at the application, like that sounds cool. Let's do that. And it was still God because like, I love my degree. Like you really right. do learn like how people develop physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, cognitively. So it's a great setup for so many things, certainly for ministry, but it was still like, you know, getting a BS in human development is an invitation to apply to graduate school. Okay. Right. And so I didn't know which graduate school I knew that I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. So I remember really praying and I remember God saying to me, music is a thing I need you to look at. So I thought I was going into music. So that's why I added the music minor and did all that. So I got into seminary because I was actually accepted in the MA in music ministry program. I like the idea of, okay, let's do music, but let's do it in the context of ministry. I'm a musician's kid. My mother... Um, has been a church musician since she was 14. You know, she she continues to play. So <laughs> that was my life. And so I sang. I used to play back in the day. I played flute. Like, so you already know that. So all that stuff. It was like, okay, we could do this. But still something felt like this ain't quite the picture. It was the step I needed so that I would go. Mm. And that's just what I believe now. God has said, <laughs> girl. We will still be somewhere developing humans, whatever that means. I mean, I am developing humans, but so I just think. All right, God, shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna just guys like, okay, but we go give you this part. You can't see the whole pack because I, because no. And what's crazy is I remember one time. It's it's funny, like it's just life how it all comes together. I remember being like in high school. My dad saying to me one time, 
You think you ought to be a preacher? You make up a heck of a preacher, girl. Just like that, just as confident. And I was like, <laughs> like, no, I'm cool. I love that. That um, because even when I think about my degree, right? Mine is liberal studies concentrating <laughs> in ethics and religion. What that okay. is, we don't, we, you know, whatever. But what I love is that it has given me such a well-rounded view of people and things. And so I don't feel like, you know, I am having to relearn or reappreciate certain things. Like I had to really dive into philosophy, dive into other types. I had to have my religion questioned. And so then I had to find um, beauty in other things, you know? So like there was just a lot of even ritualistic things that I was able to find, like smudging. People would say that that's very pagan, but I feel like what's wrong with cleansing your house? So there are certain things that I've been able to pull from and just have a a well-rounded view. But I think it's just helped me in my professional life, which is in human resources. And so I kind of really want to talk about your book because um, we are in the month of February and um, it is love month. And so (laughs) love like I've never been hurt. Mm -hmm. How to heal from heartbreak. (laughs) So much to unpack, right? I was even looking at some of the reviews um, and I was like, yes, we were like, must read, you know, it's powerful. I couldn't put it down. Um, and I even remember when we were reading it and just the challenges that are that are in that book. But what I kind of want to talk about is what was it like writing that book? Because you, you, because, you, <laughs> you know, when you read, when you read it, you see that it's really autobiographical. It's you're not you're not speaking of things from a third party's experience. Nope. You are really talking about your own experience. So Absolutely. what was that like to delve into your own heartbreak? So I think for me, it was I mean, I, I jokingly say painful. It it was it would be hard sometimes to like revisit some of those really painful chapters and moments in my life. Right. Because you kind of go like. I push that down, you know, not or not even I push it down. I live beyond it. I'm done. Like, so you don't want to go back and stay there. Uh-huh. I mean, that's part of the healing process. But I was very clear when I emerged from the the heartbreak that really inspired that book that there was more to do with what I learned because it was literally like one day I, I was coming out of the federal building and I remember thinking, "Love like I've never been hurt." Right. Like, and I just knew it started as a blog post. Actually, you might remember I had my little first blog, rspeaks.com. Rspeaks.wordpress.com because we ain't paying for that no more. But um, (laughs) it's still up. But I remember writing, um, and I I remember after I wrote that blog post, just talking about what it means to live like you've never been hurt, I thought, this is a book it just dropped in my spirit one day. And I was like, okay, so we know we're going to turn this into a book. And then, so I sat with that and I was in a coaching program at the time. Um, one of the reasons I believe in coaching so much. And I remember um, my um, coach, uh, Queenie Johnson is her name. She asked me, tell me about a time that you went from a prison to a paradise. And it just hit me. I said, oh, well, I know how to heal from heartbreak. 
She was like, girl, you know how many people need to know that? What we doing? <laughs> we doing a program. We doing a book. Mm. And I had always said, like, I want to write books. When I was younger, when I was in college, I remember applying for some program. I was in the interview and they were like, well, what does your future look like? I was like, I had never said it before, but I don't know where I was like, I'm going to write books. I'm going to travel. I'm going to be an author. I'm going to do that. Like it just rolled out of my mouth, like nothing. And so I was like, I guess I really am going to do this. <laughs> I just jumped in. So it was also fun. It was, mm. it was life-giving. It was, it's, I mean, mind you, grateful for my good government job, but it was not like fulfilling me in some deep way. Did it matter that I was a public servant to the wonderful American citizens of the United uh, United States, sure. But it wasn't like my ultimate path and my purpose. So the book was filling me in a way that, you know, in terms of connecting me to this deeper purpose, the thing I was really reaching for when I decided to seriously kind of shift away from youth ministry. And some of that overlaps, but it kind of carried me to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, mm-hmm. you know, and then... You know, before you know it, then it does ultimately land because only because I'm at this college talking about, you know, my book, do I end up discerning a call to college chaplaincy, which later opens the door for me to pursue that full time. So, I mean, and not only that, but I, I, for those that know you, I would even wonder if you could consider your book to be something that was prophetic for you (laughs) um, (laughs) later on in life. To really be able to love like I've never been hurt. You know what I mean? Like if you, because I mean, and we can give as much or as little background as you want, but there was a point in time where you was with somebody, Mm -hmm. you wasn't with that person anymore, Mm -hmm. and now you're married. (laughs) That's Well. To somebody else. Let me, let me, let me, let let, let, me, let me back up and say this. It's not somebody, it was somebody's. Okay. Like. Right. Right. So I had, so that's the funny part about writing the book on heartbreak is right. You presume that you dealt with the heartbreak. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> so right. relationships, you know, I had after that, um, some people knew about some, some people didn't, mm-hmm. know about, um, you know, and so in fact, when I, t- to keep it all the way 1000, when I came, when I met you and your family for the first time and came to Yes Weekend, I was in the midst of a horrific heartbreak. Like, you know, people really? actually have no idea. Like I was in, I mean, I was like, it was literally like, I remember that season. Um, it was like, God would give me, I, cause I was constantly traveling and preaching. There were all these opportunities that the book had opened up and I was grateful for that. God would give me what I needed for the moment so the anointing would fall. I could turn on. I was okay. The Holy Spirit had me. And then I would go back home and go back to work and be sad, frankly, depressed. I was actually depressed at that time. Oh, my God. So that, um, you know, they think they know. My right. Because of the, uh, whatever they thought they saw. But it, there were several stories of, of thinking I finally got it and nope. Okay, here we go. This is it. This is it. Because let me tell you right now, that is the lot in my life right now. I'd be like, golly. But let me, so the it's what I am currently working through with my therapist. And thank God for therapy. Then we give God the praise for the therapy. Oh my God. Okay. Because this is, because this is what, this is what I realized though, Ari. 
love is not the scary part for me. Love okay. is easy. Love okay. is easy. I I feel like as who I am, how I've been raised, how I love people, that's super easy. Trusting you. Okay. Being vulnerable with you. Okay. Trusting you to love me is where I struggle when it comes okay. to relationships. Right. And so I said to my therapist, I don't trust men. Mm. And she said, I know. And I was like, <laughs> therapist be on that. You have your like big epiphany moment. And they like, bam. Yeah. I was like, yeah, unless it's like a family member or like, and I can't, I was like, I can't even say family member. I was like, let me be. Pacific or specific to other people, okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like if it's not daddy, I'm cool. I'm good. Definitely. He has been consistent. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm finding is that when it comes to love, it is not an and especially heartbreak. It is the vulnerability. And it is the um, because what else I said to my sister is that is a risk yeah. each and every time. Every time. And um, you are saying, I'm willing to take that risk. And so your book (laughs) is instructing people to say, girl, take that risk again. How, Ari? How? How to decide to take the risk again. Um, Yeah, that's a tough one because once you go through so many disappointments, I mean, it's very easy to be like, you know what? I'm cool. <laughs> I am too cool. I'm good. I'm have my little fun. Okay. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> right. Friends all we cool, you know, but that's about all I can do. <laughs> I guess the thing is to be really honest with yourself about what you actually want. Mm. And so if you I mean, because we it's very easy to let pain, you know sort of drive the car and and say, well, and, and that's the, the enemy does that. He be all in your ear and all in your head. And you, you do it to yourself because you're like, but the last time you opened up, this is what happened and it's going to happen again. Okay. So like one of the things I talk about in that book is the, I love you, Ariane, but peace, right? Let me slow that down. So the people know what I mean. I felt like I constantly experienced, I love you, Ariane, but mm. right. This is what, men would say to me in one version or another, like, you know, you're everything I really want a woman, but, you know, mm-hmm. you're so perfect. You're so awesome. Da, 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 da. But like, so in what that developed in me was this a feeling and this fear that always the other shoe was going to drop at some point. Mm. Right. So then that meant that if you, um, come to me and you want to tell me something that I'm doing that you don't like, or we have to have a hard conversation about whatever. I'm now in like complete panic, freak out mode mm-hmm. and thinking it's all over. Right. Yeah. Because so many times that's literally what happened. Mm-hmm. And so my husband, when we met, like he had to say to me, so I need you to understand that on these previous trips in love, they had you on the raggediest street. It was all the potholes, <laughs> the tours and the problems. Yeah. I need you to understand we're not going on. And this was literally his analogy. He was like, we're not going on a road trip. We're in fact, a getting ready to board a first class flight 
to where we are going. This ain't that. I ain't them. Yeah. And I love you for real, for real. And I'm riding with you for real, for real. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was, I had to have a conversation with myself <clears throat> and my therapist. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hello. And process. And even some of my closest girlfriends. And it's just kind of like, well, what do you really want? You've said this whole time, Ariane, that you really want this love thing, right? You want it. You want to experience it. And and I had to ask myself, you know, because at some point you got to decide to jump. Right, you got to you got to decide. You gonna go? Are you gonna do it? You gonna really give it mm-hmm. a go again? And um, I had to ask myself whether or not, like, like, do you like this life you have with him? Right? Is this what you want? Is this? Do you want more of this? Because hasn't it been awesome? Right? Haven't you been loved completely and fully? Isn't it just what you always wanted? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we doing is this? Are we going to go for Hiding. it? <laughs> Hiding. Hiding. <laughs> right? like, yeah. Because you don't. It's like once you feel that pain, it's like, ain't nobody got time for this. I'm not going to read this. Girl, again? No. Like you, what you, you were saying that you get the I love you, Ariane, but that's what you used to get. And for me, it's the same thing. It's like, you're great, but. Yeah. And so I get the guys who are always like, oh, you're wife material, but I'm not ready. I'm like, so why are you talking to me? <laughs> like, why, are you, why are you talking to me? And so I, I think for me, it, I've just become so comfortable. I love my friends. Like I make sure I be out. Like I, I can't. I ha- definitely be outside. Outside. I'm not waiting for somebody to take me Which out. You know what I'm saying? Literally. Hello. Literally. You know how I met my husband? I was outside. Hello. You was outside. <laughs> I love that. Wait, 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 wait. See, the psych gonna be confused. See, that one, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I was living my life. I was that particular in fact I told my friend, I was like, you know what, girl, okay. I'm done with I'm done with what I'm done with. And it's time to go back outside. I just want to enjoy my life. I need to rebuild my social life. I need to have fun. Cause you wasn't looking for him. Was not. Husband scooped me up first day. Literally first day I went outside. Kid you not. First day. You remember because we we connected. Yes, yes, yes. And honey, sickening, <laughs> sickening, <laughs> sickening. Couldn't even talk to the girl, okay? Because because that it was you know like that nineteen like that two thousands boo loving where like Alicia Keys on the phone talking about like you like steam milk. That's what that was like. It was <laughs> so sickening. <laughs> I was like, when do I go home? <laughs> but, but you know, I think for me, when I start looking at, because I think the older I get or the more um, interested in partnership that I get, mm, I, I because I used to say, and the reason why I'm starting to say that is because I'm trying to be very careful of my words now. Because yeah. I used to say, I don't want to get married. I would always say that. However, I was talking to my sister and what I said to her was, marriage is not, the end goal for me. Okay. Right. So for me, I, w- I want partnership. I want family. And I think if I, if I look at things outside of the construct of marriage, then I, it probably brings my anxiety down a lot, <laughs> you know, cause I feel like oh my God let me think I was going to be in music. It really, I was going into ministry, but you I know, what I'm you know what I'm saying? Hey, Hey, I might end up married. That might happen, but my, <laughs> the, whatever I got to tell myself, <laughs> you no. know what I mean? I love it though. What yeah. I love is the being gentle with yourself part. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it's a way of kind of managing that anxiety and those fears that come up. So I told yeah. you. And, and so, I also like the idea that you're saying partnership is what you want. That's powerful. Because yeah. at the end of the day, but I feel like. marriage without partnership. I don't do you know? But, but I think people tend to be like, I want to be married. You know, I think that there tends right. to be this. Um, really big emphasis on that part. And then there's not the emphasis on like, no, this is this is a whole relationship. And so if marriage yeah. is a part of that, really, if that happens, great. Um, but for me, when I'm starting to look, I look at what other relationships look like because I know that my relationship will not be the same like everybody else's, but I think that there are pieces you can pull from. Absolutely. And so I have um, my oldest play sister. Her name is Yolanda. She is a Disney fanatic, okay? I've never met anybody who is as fanatical about Disney um, as her. And she loves character meals, loves them. And that's when the characters come around and they want to talk to you while you're having breakfast and you get up and you say hi. Her husband does not like character meals, okay? However, when he goes to a character meal, because they go, because she likes them. His face absolutely lights up. Watching her. Watching her. <laughs> and you like And I said, that's love. Yeah. That's love. So my question to you yeah. is how did you know that your husband was that? How did you know? I'm good, ain't I? <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he declined to be, uh, <laughs> to be a guest today. But he would say, and I would say too, like it was just a feeling, honestly, right from jump. We met that day and it was just like, I don't know. It's just like a feeling I had. How did I know? I mean, I think it was really about trusting what, not only what he said in the beginning, but then what he continued to show. Like it wasn't even just all the stuff you feel because you feel all the things in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. It was and our initial conversation was just so funny. Like we just instantly clicked and it was like, it was nobody there, but he and I talking and we were at a Greek picnic and <laughs> um, anyway, we were at a Greek picnic and she was outside y'all. She was outside. <laughs> <laughs> we were just, you know, being social. So I, you know, we got to talking and I don't know, it was just like, he was saying all the right things. He was talking a language I understood. I appreciated his authenticity right from jump. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I love about him most. But also, like, I don't know. It was just like who he said he was and who he said he was who he was going to be to me. He continued to be that. Because I was, remember, fighting a fear, right? Like, terrified that I was going to get hurt again. And that's what... We're, not because of anything he did. It had nothing to do with him. It was just my experience and my story. But he was always just like showing me um, everything he said he would. And he continues to, to this day. So since this relationship and marriage, what does love look like and mean to you now? What does love look like and mean to me now? I mean, love looks like... Um, Definitely. And we've talked a lot tonight about the word partnership. Love looks like partnership. It looks like sharing life and sharing space together. It looks like, you know, being best friends, you know, talking about the thing. It means 
having to like when it's hard to open up and say what you really need to say, doing just that. Um, and it's it's fun. We have a lot of, <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of laughter. I feel like I can be my real self mm-hmm. um, with him. And then I'm fully accepted and all parts of me. So, right. Like not just the, so there's the um, silly, um, goofy, funny, like to have a good time side of me. But then there's also the very spiritual, you know, side of me, very committed to faith. I love how much, my husband loves me as a preacher, you know, loves that. Mm. That's my calling. Like, it's not something I have to fight or like some weird dynamic. He fully embraces that part. He likes that part of me. You know, mm-hmm. he he went and watched some of my sermons before uh, one of my sermons before we even went on our first date. I was just about to say, let's talk about how he read the, the full book. He read. He did. Your, I was just, <laughs> remember that. <laughs> I did. He read your full book. And like, I mean, he. This is why I, mean, I my books. It was paying mean, to people, promoting it, and telling me like, you have so much talent. You have so far you can go. Like, let's go. So that's what look love looks like to me. And I think that that is just, <laughs> yeah, that is because like, that's not what's in this dating pool, Ari, at all. <laughs> It's not true. It's always married people that are now see, see like married people like but I, that's what but what I'm saying is you found a diamond in a rough, okay? Like the you don't wanna you don't want everybody in the dating pool. You want your person. You don't need all of them to be on point. Bump them. We ain't talking about them. Mm. You was never gonna be with all of them anyway. Never, literally never, never. And so I'm sorry, wh- we just talked about all my failed attempts. So let's not act like I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. I was I was in the pool. I just got out the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are saying to yourself, mm-hmm. I can't find my person because it's pee in the dang pool and everything everybody says these days. It's like you're telling yourself, I'm not going to be successful at this. So why try? And then your behavior follows. It's a mindset at some level. Your mindset so, does matter. So then, you know, an, another question that some people have is like, so then where do you start? Because people are starting on apps. People are starting internet dating. Some people are going outside. Um, but it's like, at this point, <laughs> at this point, you're like, where do we start? Because, you know, just speaking. <laughs> is that is that Chris? Hey man, how you doing? Oh my god! Oh, I love it. Oh, yes, I love it. I love it. You ready? This how you. This how you find it. All right, it's what you do. You stop doing all the stuff you was doing before. Mm. You look at all the people that's on your squad, and if you can't spend the rest of your life with them, then you need to cut them off. Cause that's just a courtesy interview. And the nigga that's really peeping you. Yeah. He gonna be like, damn, I thought she was the one, but she with that? Mm-mm, him and I are not the same, so obviously she's not who I thought she was. Wow. I'm doing what you do. Stop going out there looking for Mr. Rudy Pooh, because that's all you're going to find is Mr. Rudy Pooh. We don't want no Rudy Poohs, Chris. Rudy Poohs, but I'm telling you, just do what you do. 
Prepare yourself. Fix your house. Clean up mm. your rooms. Do your work. Worry about yourself like a little girl <laughs> Worry about yourself. Get yourself together. That's fair. Make your list of what you want and then really be serious about your list. Like, make your list. I want a person that can do this. I want a person that can do this. When you finish making your list, look at your list and be like, do I do that? Damn, I want a person to make six figures, but I make 30 grand. I want a person that's in shape, but maybe I need to go to the gym. You need to look at your list and then make sure you are everything on your list because you are not going to attract what you are not. He's saying this too because he will tell you that he manifested this. So he's not oh, talking about what he's talking about what he did. I'm, I, I manifested this. And when I was by myself in a failed relationship, going through a divorce by my own, I was focusing on what I wanted. I was focusing on fixing me. I was focusing on all the things I had problems with. I wasn't out there looking for no females. I was out there getting my money, and I spent a lot of time by myself. And when I saw her, it wasn't a question. I knew immediately who this person was. This was the one I've been looking for immediately. It was just a whole different experience I've had in my life. I saw her coming across, floating across the park, and it wasn't a question. It wasn't. It was the, the the thing I knew the most in my life. What that was like. There was no question. Like God, is this it? It was an experience that I had been waiting for that I never thought I was going to get. My my uncle used to say this all the time when I was young. Hesitation is the difference between a champ and a chump. <laughs> so at that point, I you became. Come on. Come. It wasn't no question. It wasn't no game. I wasn't. Speaking That's game. a word. Like, I see this woman. She looked like that woman on my vision board. This looked like the woman that I've been trying to get. She Then she told me who she worked for. I was like, Don't you know what? <laughs> Here we go. And that's serious. Them, his, them his peoples, okay, Ari? <laughs> and she was like, you know, like it's real. Like there was just me getting close to God, trying to work on my issues, trying to work on my failures, forgiving myself for all the things I couldn't do in the past. And then I met this woman and it wasn't, it didn't happen fast. It happened. It took a long time. I was, mm, I was by fast. myself for a long time. I was grinding by myself for a year plus, just me, me and all my mess by myself. And I wasn't out there looking for no, I wasn't out there trying to, my family was like, what you going to do? You going to go back out here and just, you know, start getting at the women. And I'm like, nah, man, I ain't got the energy for that. I got, I'm rich now. So I, I have a question for you. How did you learn how to love like you'd never been hurt before? Mm, I think um, when you really, really want something and you try to manifest that thing, um, when you get it, you cherish it and you understand mm -hmm. you can't do, you can't let all the fears that you had before win. Like the fears that drove you to do whatever you did before. You can't let those same fears win again. Like, what's the what's the what's the use of all the praying you did and all the investing in yourself if you're gonna be the same old person you used to be? So I think that was the biggest thing for me is just like doing the stuff that I didn't do, being the person that I wasn't, but I knew I wanted to be, um, standing on the principles that really meant something to me that I may not have stood on before. And you know, you I think a lot of times you you don't get certain things you want in a relationship and you use as a, uh, those as excuses to not be who you say you was going to be you to do not do what you say you was going to do. Cause you're not getting what you want. And I think for me, it was about doing, I, I did everything I had never did before. 
I did everything I had, like wasn't even my character. I loved somebody that I knew was my wife before that person was willing to be in a place where they could love me. Mm-hmm. These were totally against who I was as a person. Like everybody was like, man, what? I know you're going, we're going to the club. I know you're going to highlight these other chicks. I know you like, no, no. I'm good. No. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to focus on this over here, you know? And it was just, I wanted something different. I didn't want the same thing. I didn't want to be who I was before. I didn't want to have the experiences I've been through. I wanted to build a relationship where like my past didn't control what I was doing. I failed before. I had been in a relationship. It wasn't good at it. And I don't think that as a man, you really understand like emotional maturity. You really understand what you want emotionally. You don't know what you need emotionally until you actually get married. Because nobody's teaching you how to be a husband. Like there's no husband. Mm. There's no, and you, a man does this classes. You get in and you realize what you're good at and you realize what you're not. And you decide that you're going to stay in that. And that's what you're going to do. And so I think uh, for me, it was just really realizing the person I had met, um, seeing her for who she was, seeing like how all these things that I wanted, she had. And like from down to her hustle, like that she had a book and was selling it out of her trunk. <laughs> like that's me. That's what I, I've, I've done that. I've sold CDs hand in hand in that person. So I saw that hustle in her. I saw all these things that I liked, but I really just saw a great person who literally had been through an experience that I could relate to. Like our, our experiences matched up. The things I have been through, I'm like, nobody's ever been through that. Mm-hmm. I know she's yeah. been through that. That's true. You know, and be That's like, true. man, there's 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 more that it's not just coincidence. It was it was too many things lined up that made me realize that this was the person. Um, I'm at this place in my life and I get an opportunity to love somebody who checks all my boxes, you know, does all those things for me. You better bring it back to the face. That's it. You know, when you see all your boxes, but I mean, (laughs) this is why I love black men. See, I'm not that saying that white men can't, but I'm just saying it. There's a special sauce. That's facts. That's big facts. Special sauce. They doing your thing. Do you? He loves a kind of courtesy interview. When you know, like when you know this ain't really it and what you want, like (laughs) sometimes we'll get to say he was awesome. You was on the like your your long courtesy interview. (laughs) It could be, I mean, it could be me. We could be talking to anybody. He'll be listening, like, oh, that's sound like it was a courtesy interview. Like just, just, like just doing it out of a courtesy, but you are, you mm-hmm. your heart ain't in it. You ain't feeling it. You're going to miss that your, your exit. You're going to miss the dude that's waiting for you that, that one time that you're going to run into it because you over here with Curtis the courtesy. <laughs> hey, and I'm out. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like laughing, shenanigans. This is, this is like life with Christopher. So getting back to like the where do you start, right? Because for me, the getting to know you part, you're with that. I don't know. Oh, it's a, I don't I don't think so. Not right. It's a lot of talking. And where I'm at, where I'm at in my life is very introspective. It's very quiet. And so like even when I try and go on dating apps, like when I see a notification, I'm like my eye my eyes just begin to roll. And so I just think I have become so comfortable in in not having to like constantly 
do that. Like, you know, like I just, you know, it's almost like the part when people's like, oh, I'm too old to make friends. It's almost, it's almost like that type of. That part, right. Literally not feeling like getting to know a person. Right. Even like, oh my gosh, I just cannot, here, here is the essay. Can you read it? Do you, do you, do I check any box? If I, if I check a box. (laughs) got time to put a bunch of energy off you know and so and i find that that is where it's detrimental but there was something that you were saying earlier about um how fear can't drive your car and you know what my therapist said to me was um fear can't drive the bus does it need to be in the on the bus yes it can be on the bus but it it can't be the thing that drives your bus and so you know thinking about on your bus that's the whole thing but yeah that's a whole exercise but but anyway but you know just thinking about relationships and where you start and i know that um, you and Chris said start with yourself. So there's a lot of people who are probably like, I've been working on me. I right. keep working on me. Yeah. Where the hell is the other person? <laughs> and I mean, there are no, right? There's no easy answers to that, right? There there really aren't. Like, there's no like magic thing I can say and be like, oh, I mean, you could say, we could say a bunch of cliche stuff, but none of us have control about how life unfolds and what the timing looks like, you know, and it might seem like in Chris and I's case, like it happened fast, but really it's anything but that. When you think about all the years <laughs> and all the disappointments, and just like he was saying, he was working on himself. Truly, I have been working on mine. I'm talking about some of the deepest therapy work I have ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Unpacking some childhood traumas and stuff that I didn't even remember, like things I had suppressed and not. And let me be clear, my I had a good childhood, but I had some stuff mm-hmm. that was sitting there that I needed to work through, some of which I'm still finishing up working through, right? Um, and, and figuring out how to heal more fully, you know? And I had to, so, and honestly, when we met, like I had to tell him, I'm like, look, sis is tired, okay? Let me just tell you what it is. I feel like I just ran a marathon. You know, you see track, or like like we actually think more like a track runner, you know, especially the sprinters, right? They'd be like, pass out, right? Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. done for, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's how I felt. When we first met. And so when he made the comment about loving someone who at first couldn't return to love, like I was very honest about that. Like, I'm really enjoying this, but, and you're amazing. And I need you to know that I, but I can't reciprocate just yet. I am still like catching my breath. I am still like, I feel like I'm literally passed out on this track. Like my heart is tired Mm. and I'm, I can't, I'm not saying it'll always be like this mm-hmm. and you do with that what you need to do with that. But I need to just tell you my truth. And then some, he was like, okay, you know, he appreciated the honesty. He understood where I was and why, like we talked through all the stuff. And then like, it was like I, a month or two passed. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I'm sitting up now. I mean, I'm still sitting on the ground, but I'm sitting up. I'm not passed mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. And a little more time. Okay. Maybe I'm up on one knee. You know, and then just and be and then one day I looked up and I was like, "Oh, I'm good now. Like I'm fully energized. Let's go." Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's when I had to have the really like, okay, so what you about to do? Because you you're not tired anymore. You know, you can show up for this fully if you if you really want to and if you really want this. And I knew that the minute I told him where I was emotionally and that I'm ready to go, I already knew. 
a proposal wouldn't be long after because mm. he had been super clear. You're my wife. I'm going to love you like my wife and be right here with you until you're ready to go the distance with me. It didn't take too long. So my question to you is that being in, so knowing you were not in a space, knowing that he knew you were not in a space, was there ever a fear that he would leave? Was that a, a one of the risks that you had analyzed? I don't know that I, at first that I even thought about it like a risk because, I mean, it was the reality. And so if he didn't have the capacity and he didn't have to, it was his choice, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, so I, but I needed to be honest so he would know where I was and why I wasn't able to just like give it all back at first. Um, right. I don't know that I would call it a risk because that might just mean that it wasn't meant for us. When it started to feel more like a risk was later, once I knew I was good. Mm. And I That's was, was going to ask you, did it feel scary to love him back? Yeah, at first. Be, I mean, not at first, but later. Once once I, so at first it was just like, hey, this is the best I can do. Like I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get there with you. And it wasn't that I didn't love him, right? It was just like being able to show up fully like me, like all the me, right? Mm-hmm. I just didn't, literally didn't have the energy. Um, so, but then it was kind of like after a few months, and I was in a much better emotional space and I was energized and, and ready to go. Then that's when the fear is like, you sure? You sure? You, this is what you really want to do? You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and I was just like, oh, and I remember having mm-hmm. a conversation with my dad. One day he was like, let me tell you something, Marianne. I know you. <laughs> Went time for Stanley Williams. And he was like, you're scared. He was like, I know what it is. You're scared. And I mean, I hadn't said anything. I, you know, but he just cut through all my stuff. We on the mm-hmm. phone. When he, he was looking me in my face, you know, he's like, you, you, he said it another way, but I won't, I won't mm-hmm. put the preacher story out there like that. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, you scared. And it was just like, yeah, that's facts. And I had to just decide. So am I going to let, all the stuff I've been through before that's that hurt me before keep me from the thing I want now. Like, I mean, and that I got, like, it's right here. I got to do is grab it. What you getting ready to do? You know? And so then it was like, yeah, I'm not getting ready to do that. I'm going to go for it. And you know what? Here was the other thing. If it didn't work, guess what? It didn't kill me before. Mm. I got through it. I was fine. I didn't die. It sucked. It was hard. But, you know, life does, never gets easier. You just get tougher. That's what it is, right? If you learn the lessons, you do the work, you can you can get through anything. And God going to be there no matter what. So, like, go for it. Quit letting fear tell you what's going on. Fear don't know nothing. Take the step. You certainly won't know if you don't do it. And that one thing, I wasn't willing to risk that. That was more of the risk, right? So once I knew I was cool, that's when the thought was like, well, if I don't, I better get with the program here. <laughs> or he been serious. And, and and that was the other thing. I was telling my dad that too. I said, he's really been showing up consistently the way he said he would. Like, what do I have to complain about? What is even the risk? He's already shown me that there's, what am I worried about? So you say, what's the risk, right? So for me, and I love all this, 
Mm-hmm. The risk for me, again, is that vulnerability. And I would love to know what it's like to take your um, bruised self to someone and then like that person kind of help restore you a bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What does that restoration, what does what does being healed by love feel like? Oh, it, <sighs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but it, it it is a wonderful feeling. And that's, it's funny, I've never put it quite that way, but that's exactly what happened because I was still hurt when I met him. Um, and he was like, but I'm going to love you anyway. I mean, it was really that God level love, right? Mm-hmm. You're hurting, you're going through stuff. You don't even feel like, like sometimes worthy. You don't even feel, you know, but it's like, but you're awesome. And I think fr- from the moment we first started talking, I remember when I, somebody introduced me to him. We walked over, girl to the Capitan. <laughs> Somebody took us over to where the noobs were, okay? And I will have to say, I do have to say, they were like the flyers out there that day. Like, nobody was messing with them that day. So anyway, somebody walks us over, hey, and, and just happens to introduce me to Chris. Not just happens, of course. He introduced me to Chris, and he just immediately went in. He looked at me, and he would not stop pouring on compliments. I was so completely uncomfortable. Like, he was like, I, I can't even believe, like, you... Your man let you get my hair look like this? Like, <laughs> like, and okay, now I was cute, okay, because I was outside, so I was cute, but I wasn't trying hard. Like, I, I just, girl, I don't know. My cute little Alpha Chapter t shirt, some distressed jeans, some flip flops, and some sunglasses. Like, we was not trying to be like, hey, look at me. Like, that was not it. It wasn't no super mm-hmm. fly outfit. Like, we just, <clears throat> it was chill. And, but he acted like, girl, I was on the red carpet. Like, he was like, you are just so beautiful. Like, I can't, you know, I, I cannot believe you. Do your man know you out here? Like, around all these, like, wolves, basically, is what he was getting at. And I'm like, I don't have a man. Like, what are you even talking about? And, you know, we just kind of kept talking, but he kept telling me I was beautiful. He kept asking me things about myself and everything excited him. You a preacher? Oh, my God. And it was not game. Like, it was not like somebody literally just saying whatever, like the authenticity was coming through. And as he's just pouring it out, I remember standing there thinking to it had been so long since anybody had talked to me like that. Mm. And I was just like, I, th- I remember thinking to myself in the moment, cause he just going and literally everybody around all the noobs, my her girlfriend I was with, they all stopped and watching. It's like, it's a movie. And we're just like in this moment, he's just going in, going in. And I thought to myself, you stand here and you take this because you deserve it. And like, that's what it felt like, right? It felt like somebody just pouring love on when you have just been starved for it. Like when you have need, I mean, it's like a sponge just all dry mm. and cracked and you pour mm-hmm. water on it and it takes a minute, right? For it to start to soften up. And it was like that process over the course of months and months. I mean, making me smile and feel beautiful. I remember, you know, one weekend we hung out. It was literally like I thought we had been hanging out for a week. We both thought that. But it was really like two days, not even two days, like a day and a half. You know, we just Mm. spent all this time. It was like time to see all those kind of things like that you feel when you're first really falling in love. But it was just 
washing over me in a way that kind of was waking me up mm-hmm. again and made me feel so beautiful and just there was just joy and just like oh my god this is amazing and then when he would do things for me like really big gesture things I'm like why are you doing all this he's like you deserve it you're my wife I'm gonna marry you Mm. (laughs) I'm just like when I look at couples and I look at where you stand with your partner and how your partner makes you feel. I'm like, ah, I want that. Um, When you talk about your spouse and how he poured into you, Mm -hmm. that is um, something everybody deserves. So I I want you to talk to two different types of people. Okay. The person like me, (laughs) who's out here like, girl, why? Why? Why should we love like we haven't been hurt before? Because it just seems to keep hurting, right? Like, I'm actually done with the hurt. I don't... Why try? Why try? And then I want you to speak to... Actually, let's do three people, and, I, and I'll, I'll repeat them. The, one is the married woman, right, mm-hmm. who um, may need some advice in continuing to love their partner. Because <laughs> from what I hear... Marriage is work, okay? And then to the woman who is looking for love but is getting discouraged. So those are the the three the th- and I shouldn't even say women because it could be men too, but people. Let's let's keep it gender neutral, folks. Um, just folks that are you know in just different predicaments, different places in love. What advice would the good and power her mint coach give us? I would say. I, I, if I'm totally honest, it feels a little awkward to talk to a married woman, being that I've been married seven months <laughs> at this point. But but I will say, um, I think part of it is to remember your why. Like, why did you do this? Why did you choose this person? Now, that may have nothing to do with the now. <laughs> so I do realize there's this journey happening, but I think the biggest thing is is for that having that sense of reconnection, right? How do you get reconnected when you start to feel really disconnected? You know, what do you take? What it, what are your practices, and how do you, and then how do you like be communicating, talking about how you're really feeling? I mean, I think that's a thing. Part of what happens is sometimes your partner might be feeling something similar, or you know. It, or can understand at least where you're coming from or needs to hear what you're feeling, but you won't say it, right? And so they don't know. And so you certainly can't tackle what you will not talk about, right? And that's the whole thing with marriages. I mean, it is a constant journey in revealing more and more of yourself, being more and more vulnerable, which I know for so many is very terrifying. It's a very human thing to be scared of that, right? I mean, it is literally... (laughs) <laughs> the the narrative it is Adam and Eve. Oh my God, we're gonna, you know, like it, it's just feeling totally <laughs> exposed in a way that feels really uncomfortable. But but that is really what you signed up to do. So like, and then everybody, I mean, and I ain't talking about like it's toxic, it's horrible, it was a horrible choice, and you know, there's abuse or you know, a bunch of infidelity and craziness. I'm not talking about those kind of scenarios. Or not at all. But I'm talking about, you know, when you just kind of get disconnected and something kind of gets weird and more and more time passes and it's 
I just think get reconnected because the grass may not be greener. <laughs> People start mm-hmm. to toy around with that idea. And I've just seen, you know, no, I've, we haven't been married long. So no, am I some big expert on marriage yet? Well, no, but I have seen enough people, you know, get on the other side. Now, some get on the side and turn the car wheels. I ain't talking about them. But is <laughs> that really? Right. You know, and it's just like, oh, you know. So, I, you know, once you, I have been, and we, he and I talk about this. Like when you, he, he uses this analogy a lot. When you break a vase, you really can't put it back together. So mm-hmm. be careful how far you go with some of that. You know, okay, that was a really long answer. Um, Okay, talking to the person who's tired of getting hurt, I think that was basically. Yeah, you're basically talking to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That one. I was in a a session today at work. Actually, it was a retreat, and so she shared. Somebody shared advice about this older woman who had lived to be like well into her nineties and was just young and vibrant in spirit and all that. And somebody had asked her, you know, what's the sort of secret? And she said, I always have something you're looking forward to. And not just in business and career, but like in your personal life. I think to love, if you really look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, love never gives up. And that doesn't mean that relationships don't end. That's different. But love, it never, it don't end. It just keeps trying. It never gives up hope. It is always like rooting that this can work, right? So what does it mean to tap back into that part of yourself? And it really just means being willing to get hurt again. I mean, that's at the end of the day. It's the, it's the being vulnerable and the being exposed thing yet again. But the thing is, if you don't open up for it, you won't have it. So the thing is, you can't have both. You can't, Mm. you cannot choose to close up and not love and have love. (laughs) It don't work like that. So it's, it's, why? (laughs) Why? Because the life you want is possible. Mm. We hear all this messaging that tells us to stop believing in love. And I think that's crazy. Why are we listening to this? I love this moment. I shared it on my my uh, socials a few months ago uh, at school with the with the girl. We were at, I was throwing them a the students a Christmas party. I throw, have for several years now thrown an epic Christmas party on campus for my children. And so, um, of course, um, what's the Beyonce? You know the song. They had it. Cuff it. Huh? Cuff it. Cuff it. Cuff it comes on. So we like, let's cover challenge. Let's go. So we jump out. Right. And at the end, we all yell out, I feel like falling in love. Right. That whole part right there. And I shared it. It actually, that thing got like 11,000 views. But what was crazy about it was normally you just pick the song from the audio and the app. Well, I left the audio from the recording because it was something powerful to me to hear like 20 something black women yelling out. I feel like falling in love Mm. to boldly proclaim. Now they just singing a song maybe. Yeah. But to what, what would it look like to just embrace that? I want to fall in love. Who doesn't? It's that having the childlike faith to not let life jade you 
to the point that it cheats you of what you really want to experience. Don't fall for the okie doke. All these people telling you, you got to do this and you got to have this and you ain't good enough. You ain't got enough. You ain't this. You ain't that. Bump that. Don't listen to them lies. The Bible says, our heavenly father, you can say mother, however you need to talk to God, knows how to give us good gifts. And even, even earthly parents know how to do that. So if they know how to do that, they don't get their kids stones when they ask for bread. Mm. God is the same way. I just believe the scriptures too. Delight yourself in the Lord and God will give you the desires of your heart. If you really want it, you can have it. And you don't want to be bothered with all of that mess that's out there. You know, unless that's just what you're into. Now, you know, we're not here to do <laughs> like if, right, you, right. if you really want the, the love thing, I, I just think you have to believe it's possible. Because if we tell ourselves stories, which translation, lies, that we can't have it, we won't. Mm. We won't be looking for it. We won't be ready for it. We'll run from it if it shows up because we haven't prepared ourselves to receive it when it's there. And it doesn't even mean that it'll be easy or it won't be uncomfortable, but you won't feel scared. I felt all those things. But then I had to talk to myself, girl, what are we doing? (laughs) You going to go with this or no? Mm. So I think knowing what you actually want and letting yourself dream again, you got to be like a kid. That's the, that's biblical, childlike faith. We got to embrace that. Don't let life turn you hard and cold. And those people that hurt you, God bless them. Don't let them win. Really? How's that helping you? What? Letting them win. It's Exactly. It's not. And my daddy used to say it this way. He'll be going on down the street with Sally too. And you still <laughs> worry about what they did to you. So heal your heal your own heart, take care of you. And it's not to say that you can control. And that's how I know your husband was supposed to be your husband because he got <laughs> nicknames for everybody and so does your daddy. Wow. <laughs> it was somebody else you told me to talk to. Who was the last person? Me and these long answers. Um, the woman who is looking but is getting tired. Oh, the woman who is looking and is getting tired. Or, um, or or just wanting love, you know. I I think, and yeah, that's a hard place to go because you sit in this space for a while where it's like, hello, God. Because I used to, and, and part of it is now I believe in talking to God real. So I would kind of be like, okay, God, you do realize <laughs> literally just like this, out of nowhere. I'm sitting in the apartment. Ain't there ain't nobody there but me and God. Uh, you do know how old I am? Right. Okay. You was there. You okay? June twentieth, nineteen. Okay. So you know how old I am, right? And you know I want to get married, have a fa- you know all that, right? Remember? Okay. I just wanted to make sure we were still clear. We were still because I'm feeling this like, uh, like, like you get the sense you're running out of time or that it's not happening fast enough. But you know what? I did eventually enough of that discomfort because it is you feel it for you don't feel it all day every day maybe but it comes up sometimes sometimes you're triggered you see one of your friends gets engaged you see somebody else living a life and curating their life on social mm-hmm, come on somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. facts ain't nobody sharing everything but mm. you get triggered you see that stuff and you in the back of your mind you went when is it gonna be my turn when is it gonna happen i was 39 the day i got married hear me somebody 
29. I was at 24. I thought I was going to get married 24, 25. Pop out a bunch of babies by the time I'm 30. That was what life was supposed to be. But then I had to look back at my life and realize, <laughs> I wish I could say this the way I want to say it, but the saints don't like me to cuss. So I would look back and be like, I'm going to just say it. Well, bitch, like, it ain't like you been, ain't been trying. You know what I mean? Hello. Like, I look back and I'm like, well, I have dated. I have been showing up. I have been. And it just hasn't happened. So then I finally came to the real realization that if I was supposed to be a millionaire, somebody's mama or married by now, I would be. Mm. So I'm canceling my subscription to all the messaging that tells me this should have happened by now. Mm. It's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. I just had an epiphany one day and I put that on my social, on my Instagram. If you scroll back far enough, you'll see it. It's still sitting there. And it was just like a moment like I'm done being a slave to this timeline. It will happen when it happens. And it did. Mm. Now, even that was, that was like 2017. So it was still five years before I actually got married. Wow. I'm glad I didn't know then it was going to be another five years. Mm. Right. (laughs) But, you know, you reap a harvest if you do not give up. Mm. So my my last question to you um, is that while you're pouring into so many people, a lot of the things that you do, it requires you to do a lot of pouring. Um, My question is, how do you take care of yourself? What are the things that you do to um, center yourself, re-energize yourself and, you know, fill your, your vessel back up again? Let me first say I could certainly do a lot better with that sometimes. So some some seasons I'm much better at it than I um, am in other seasons. But I definitely believe in a Sabbath practice. Now, we're not legalistic about it, but one day a week, take a rest. That stuff that you're supposed to do, that you're called to do, it's going to be there. It's going to be fine. We said it saying in seminary, them papers going to be there. We about to go hang out and, and be with the family tonight. We're going to hang out. We're going to connect. And that was really a version of a Sabbath practice, you know. And so Chris and I are very intent about that, you know. And he told me one time, because I did this whole workshop at church, right, on Sabbath. And the next week, I'm thinking, okay, let's, uh, I got a story for everything. You like, could you just answer my question? You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm teasing. But no, so um, I did this whole big, and I've actually been teaching on Sabbath for almost two years. It just keeps, opportunities keep coming up. People keep asking for it. Well, I did this workshop. We did, instead of having regular morning worship, I did a like hour and a half long workshop on morning service. Um, Shout out to Liberation and Design Church in Indianapolis. If you want to see it, go check it out. It was in October, October of last year. It was a great service. But I did this whole teaching on Sabbath and how we practice it and embrace it like this rest. Understanding very clearly, first off, God practiced Sabbath first. God made the first six days and then took PTO. Okay, so so can you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but I did this whole big thing. And the next, the next Saturday rolls around and I'm saying to my husband, okay, let's get up. Let's clean this. Let's do this. Let's do it. He looked at me. He was like, uh, today's my Sabbath. <laughs> I said to keep it holy. Hello. 
<laughs> and what could oh, you say to that? <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. But no, we do. We're very intentional about that. Um, sometimes it gets a little busy, um, but we try to keep a Sabbath. Um, I think um, just a little alone time, some time with God, you know, if that's doing some meditation. I love the Calm app. Love mm. it. I don't do it every day like I should, but I love that time to just be still and be quiet. Um I, you know, I have a couple of different devotional books that I read. Um, so sometimes that definitely keeps me encouraged. Is one of them your own devotional book? <laughs> oh, well, I don't. Every now and then I might read my own. own but since you brought it up, I do have <laughs> a lovely devotional book, The Women of the Bible and You, a weekly devotional. It is fantastic. Available on Amazon.com. You can link at ArianeVet.com uh, to see how you can get both of our books. But it's a great devotional that really does lift up uh, so many of the unnamed women of the Bible, women that we don't know much about and see how we can pull inspiration from their stories. But I read um, authors like um, uh, Dr. Renita Weems, love her stuff. Um, I'm reading her showing Mary right now. And then also um, uh, Borum, Beth and Beth Borum, who are both spiritual directors here in Indianapolis. They have a great book. Uh, love their stuff as well. So, so I do some of that. Um, and then, of course, uh, other refresh time, you know, would be like just, you know, time with my husband. You know, we like to, you know, watch movies or whatever and just chill, just kind of decompress, you know, in whatever way works for us, you know. So or go go do something fun together. And sometimes we, we can squeeze in some trips here and there. So we both like to travel. So that's that's definitely fun sometimes. So mm-hmm. those kind of things. But just like taking it. And then my happy place is also home. Where I could be at home because every day of the week. <laughs> so um, I, I have to make myself, like I was just thinking that today, I ain't been home because to really just walk around and look at all the pretty stuff because I like to decorate and stuff. So like, I like <laughs> go in there and get a basket. I might not buy anything, but just walk up and down the house. It just makes me happy. Mm, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Are you really... Um, I know you blessed me with so much of what you said, and I'm I'm so glad Chris was able to make his little <laughs> debut. We didn't think we were gonna get him, but I'm glad that yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad, yeah. We're glad to um, get some wisdom from your husband. But I know that what you shared today is gonna bless so many people, and this is just the beginning of us taking over the world, like we keep saying, <laughs> world domination. Um, but I I do really appreciate you for taking the time to speak with me today um, on the deep dish and um, this is perfect thank you